Imagine with me, now this is going to be exciting, so I think we all can imagine this. Imagine with me, if you will, that you have $86,400 in your account. And you wake up every day with that much money in your account. But here's the deal, okay? Now that's exciting, right? You wake up every day with $86,400 $86, in your account. That is something that you, we all can get behind, right? But here's the deal. It resets every morning. Whether you spend it or not, that's all that you have every single morning. It doesn't roll over. You don't necessarily lose it unless you spend it. But listen, it resets every single morning. $86,400. So you can either utilize the money efficiently, waste it, or you can just sit and watch it disappear. So what would, what would you do with that much money? How would you spend it? Knowing you don't spend it, it's gone. Or if you do spend it, great, but that's it. That's all you have. $86,400. How are you going to spend that money? Think about that. Imagination with me. How are you going to spend it every single day knowing you don't spend it? It's gone. What are you going to do? And the reality is most of us would be pretty excited to wake up every single day with a fresh $86,000 in our spending account, right? I mean, I, shoot, I know I would. You wake up every morning, you open your account, you got money in there. Because I, I, I've woken up plenty of times I open my account and there's no money in there. <laughs> I think there would be a lot of adults that could testify with me about that. The, the pa Pastor Tanya and my wife are here with me. They're, they're giggling because they know we've all been in that same boat. So, so it'd be pretty exciting, right, to wake up with that much money in our accounts. And the thing is, though, we aren't handed money like that, are we? We're not just given money. We're not, we're not given $86,000 every morning. But we are given a gift every morning. We are given, every day that you wake up, you are given 86,400 seconds in your day. That's how many seconds are in a day. 86,400 seconds. You can't, they don't roll over. You don't use them, you lose them. So let me ask you, how are you spending those seconds? How are you spending your time? Every day you're given the gift of 24 hours, 86,000 seconds. What are you doing with it? How are you spending it? And this may sound strange to some, but, but each of us have different fears. Fears that, that, that scare us to our core. Phobias, I guess what you could call them. And, and me and my wife, uh, we, we always like to kind of talk about our fears and how we can overcome them. But one of my greatest fears, and I shared with this her right when we, when we first got married, one of my greatest fears is time. And when I told her that, she kind of looked at me funny. When I tell people that, like, your greatest fear is time. What are you talking about? Well, I say that because when time passes, it's gone forever. We never get it back. And that terrifies me. Nothing that we can do can bring it back. And, and, and that, in my, in, in my opinion, is a terrifying truth. Because I ask myself, and, 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 I, and I look at my life, and I think, my daughter will never be this age again. She will never be seven again. And so how am I spending my time with her? How am I making her seventh year of life special? What am I, what am I doing 
with her? How was she going to look back and think, when I was seven, daddy did this with me? You see, me and my wife, we, we only have so much time together. And how are we spending that time together? You see, my parents, they, they only have so many years left, and I only have so many years left with my parents. And the question is, when was the last time I talked with them? Me and my parents, we, we live a state away from each other, and when was the last time we did something together? Ask yourself that. My friends, we, we won't be in each other's life forever, and out of this whole list, really, the friends are probably the shortest time together. And so the question then is, how am I being a friend to my friends? And we can say it's easy to get around to it, right? I'll get around to it eventually, right? That's an easy thing to say, but, but what happens when the time is gone and you wake up and there's no time to get around to it? It's easy to say, I'll get around to it. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll hang out with them. I'll make that phone call. I'll get saved. But what happens when the time is gone and you wake up on that morning and you no longer have the 86,400 seconds? This, this morning, you only have 1,000 seconds or 100 seconds or 10 seconds. How are you spending that time? How are we spending the gift of time? I read an, a, a, a newspaper article about two men, William and Jacob were their names, and they were under the sentence of death in New York. And it was that time of year where daylight savings time came and it sprang forward. You know, the time where we lose an hour. Well, they saw that and they felt that they were deprived of an hour of life. And if they were electrocuted on daylight savings time, they both said, we will lose an hour of our life. And so what they did is they applied to the warden to have the clock in the prison return back to standard time. These were men that were going to die anyway. And they said, no, we don't want to lose an hour. Can you please set it back? And the warden did. But just think about how precious that time is. That men who were already on death row, who were already sentenced to death, who were already going to die, just said, we just want one more hour. One more. Think about how precious time is. It's also said, it's also written that when Queen Elizabeth of England was dying, she said this, all of my possessions for a moment of time. The Queen Elizabeth, one of the richest and wealthiest people in the world, she said when she was dying, I would give everything I have for one moment of time. But Let's be honest, time cannot be bribed even by a monarch. A, conver a converted Hindu who had been given a Bible and a clock said this, the clock will tell me how time goes and the Bible will tell me how to spend it. And so what we're going to do now, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Ecclesiastes. We're going to see what the Bible says about time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And in this book of Ecclesiastes, the, the writer is on, a, is on a search for truth. He is a voyager on search for truth. And the book of Ecclesiastes is really a logbook in which the voyager writes down all of the disappointments which he encounters on his voyage. And, and in this chapter, he's dealing with the subject of time. And listen to what it says, beginning with verse 1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. 
a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war and a time for peace. May God bless the reading of his word. A voyager in search of truth is the ecclesiastical writer. search for truth about time. You see, when we discuss time, especially coming out of the excitement of a new year, uh, we, we're only on day 16 of the new year. And usually this time that we kind of forget our New Year's resolutions, we begin just going back to life as usual. But we're coming out of a new year, and, and it's exciting to talk about time. But there are a couple things that we need to notice that, that humanities have tendency, that humanity has tendencies to do when it, when it comes to the new year and when it comes to time. And when we're talking about time, often, often we look back and we regret especially in the new year time, right? We, we look back at the past year or the past years and we regret because maybe we, we wish we could have done something different or we regret because we wish we could have done more. We wish we, maybe we wish we wouldn't have done something. But whatever the reason, there are moments when a person reflects on the past and thinks, why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that? But then there's something else that we do. We begin to look ahead and this is the exciting thing. This is, this, is the, this is the hope. We see where we were, right? We look back and we regret. We think, man, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I would have done that. But then here's the hope, and that is we look ahead. We see where we were, and we start to plan to where we want to go. And we plan not to do what we've done in the past, but we, we plan to, to be better. And all in all, we look at the future through, through bright and, and really hopeful eyes. And, and I was reading this week about this, and, 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 I, and I came across an author that said, the definition of dying is looking toward yesterday, but the definition of living is looking toward tomorrow. And so we have moments where we look back and regret, but we should also be looking ahead to the brighter future. Sir, Sir Roger Bannister, this is a story about a, a, a runner in the, in the negative effects of looking back uh, quite frequently. But Sir Roger Bannister, in 1954, he did something that, that shocked the sports world. Uh, for the, uh, for the, the track and field expert said that there was no one that would ever run the mile in less than four minutes. And well, Sir Roger Bannister, he did that very thing. He ran it in less than four minutes. But then, so he broke the record, and, but then one month later, there was a man from Australia who accomplished the same feat in 1.4 seconds later, or uh, faster than Roger Bannister. And the whole sports world in the area of track and field, they were so excited because they want to see, they were looking forward to the day that, that John Landy and Roger Bannister would get on the same track together, and they wanted to see what these two superhumans would do in that match together. Well, the time came, and it happened in British Columbia. And John Landy actually tells this story. He said that he was leading the race and coming down the stretch and he says that he was a foot and a half ahead of Roger. 
And really, the, the writers say that, that the race was his. But as he was running, a thought entered his mind, and it began to haunt him. Where is Bannister? So here is Landy. He's, he's running the race. He is in first place, and he has a good lead, and he can see the finish line, and he can see what's ahead. But all he can think is, what's behind me? What's behind me? Where is Bannister? And he says he couldn't handle it anymore. And so he turned to see if he could see him. And as soon as he turned back and focused on what was behind him, it says that he began to stumble. And sadly, he stumbled just enough that Roger Bannister got ahead and won the race. Hmm. As soon as he turned around, and focused on what was behind him, he began to stumble instead of looking at what was ahead. And when I first read that illustration, I thought, well, that's exactly what we do, isn't it? That's exactly what we do. As time progresses on, at the, at the wrong time, at a very crucial point of the race, which we are running, we are running this race of life, there are tendencies to look back and do the wrong thing. We look back and we, we focus on what was instead of what can be. We focus on where we were instead of where God wants to take us. And as we look in this, this, this passage this morning, there, there's a truth to help us with this, a, a truth to help us spiritually to be able to, to press on to where God wants to take us, to help us stop looking at what was and in the past, which, which is important. But I, I always like to use the illustration. It's like driving a car, right? There's nothing wrong with looking back, as long as we're looking back to learn from the past, right? But when you're driving a car, what's bigger? Well, the windshield, Right? The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because we should be looking ahead. Only quick glimpses to the past to learn where we were, just to see where we were, but to keep moving forward. And this passage of Scripture this morning can really help us to focus and stay on what is ahead so that God can take us to where He wants us to be. And so this is what we're going to look at, okay? We are going to look at God's timing. And here's what we need to understand about God's timing. Listen to me. God's timing is sovereign. He is in control. If you'll notice the first part of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, there is an appointed time for everything. It doesn't say most things. It doesn't say convenient things, not happy things, not positive things. It says there is an appointed time under God's timetable for everything. Listen to me, church. God has a plan for you and I. You see, we may look at life as, as conditional, iffy, maybe, maybe a shot through with questions, but, but God in his sovereignty, he knows the plan that he has for us. And though we face sorrow and disappointment, I, I got it. We, there are times when we face sorrow and disappointment, but listen to me. There are moments, as, as the scripture says, there are moments when you're also going to face joy and happiness through everything God is molding us and developing us to stretch us and to make us more than we have ever been before. God's grace and God's timing, listen, is sovereign. He is in control. 
So stop stressing about the timing. Stop, stop focusing so much on what was and understand that God is going to take us where he wants us to be because God's timing is sovereign. The second thing is this. God's timing is sufficient. Mm, I absolutely love that one. Look what it says in the last part of verse 1. It says, and a season for every activity under heaven. God's timing is sufficient, meaning, listen, God is going to be taking care of us. It doesn't say most things or, or, or 99%. It says every event. Now, if you're like me, it, you, you, you live a very busy life, and, and not necessarily because of, of circumstances, but because you choose to live that way, chasing one thing after another, trying to get all that we need, trying to write every sermon I can, trying to juggle every part of life all at once. You see, I have a tendency to, to rush, push, pull, and, and try to grab everything I can possibly one day, but, but look at what the Scripture says and, and, and see what it says about God. It says, I've got time for every event under heaven. God says, I have time for everything. In other words, God says, calm down. I got this. God is saying, don't stress. I'm going to take care of you. It, it may be hard right now, but, but just wait. Just hold on. I've got you. Calm yourself. God's timing is sufficient. There may be a time when, when you have to wait, and God says, guess what? That's okay. You're going to have to wait, but, but I got you. There may be a time of change, but guess what? That's okay too. Change isn't always bad. There may be a time of hardship, and God says, just hold on. Just hold on. Keep waiting. And there may be a time of, of great joy, which is awesome. And, and in that time of great joy, make sure we're celebrating you see, we have to understand that God's timing is sufficient. In other words, stop worrying, calm down. God's got it. So we see about God's timing. God's timing is sovereign. God's timing is sufficient. And the third thing is this. My timing is seasonal. Now, if you look at this passage of Scripture, I believe it's, it's, it's roughly, depending on the translation, 28 times it says the word time. And in every instance, there, there are opposites. I mean, look at verse 2. A time to be born and what? A time to die. They're opposites. They're seasonal. In other words, God says here that there are, there's only a period of time, a season of time in which I am going to be doing this in your life. And then I'm going to be moving on to something else in your life. Be prepared. We, we have to be prepared for seasons or, 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 or a, a season of timing or the seasonal timing. It comes in like a tide and it goes out like a tide. So in other words, don't miss the opportunity to capitalize on what God's trying to do for you right now. Stop saying, I'll do it tomorrow or, or I'll get around to it because there may, be, there may be those moments when it'll never come back and you can't get back to it. Understand that there are certain things that are seasonal. Timing isn't always per, uh, permanent. Remember that. The fourth thing is this. So we see God's timing sovereign. God's timing is sufficient. And my timing is seasonal. And number four is this. God's timing, it is surprising. When you begin to look at verses two through eight, one of the first things that begins to come to mind is the fact that we have a very creative God, right? Our God, his understanding, his wisdom far exceeds ours. And who is man really to even know his ways? I mean, God's ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. But, 
by the time that I, by, by the time that I think that I have God figured out. How, how many of us have ever done that before? All right, I got this figured out. I, I, I understand it. Well, what I have learned in those moments when I think I have God figured out, he messes it all up. He says, you got me figured out? Well, let me, let me throw a wrench in it. And, and things begin to change, and it surprises me. But, but God puts us in these seasons, and he surprises us with, with, with another of his various ways of working through mankind that, that I would never have thought would be possible or probable or even workable. But God's timing is amazing, and, and it, it blows my mind, and it is so surprising. So just hold on and trust God and listen to me. He's going to surprise you. We may sit back and think, well, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. This is so tough. He's going to surprise you. Just hold on. Bear with him. He's working for our good, it says. So now that we have a, a small glimpse of, of God's timing for us, what I want to do now is I want to look at our time because I want to uh, apply this. You know, we are still fresh in the new year. So what I want to do is I want to maximize our potential as we continue in this year. So now that we understand God's timing just a, a little bit better, uh, we don't understand it completely. We understand that it's surprising, it's sovereign. But now that we understand these things, there are, there are two things that we must do to apply this, okay? The first is this, if you want to apply it, is we must study the movement of God's timing. We must become a student of how God moves in our world and my particular spiritual life. And I'm gonna, if I'm going to study the movement of God's timing, then, then I'm going to have to spend time with God. That's the deal. You, you, you can't learn God unless you spend time with God. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you an acrostic. I, I was laughing with Scott because he says, man, you sent me 18 different slides. It means I got to pay attention during your sermon. Yes. So we're going we're gonna to go through this pretty quick, all right? But I have an acrostic that I want to give you this morning, and it shows you one word, devotions. And, and I was given this a few years ago. This isn't original to me. It was actually given to me, and I want to share it with you. And this will help us really to develop a, a deeper relationship with God, and it helps us see His timing, even though we can only understand it in our limited ability, this will really help us better understand God and, and grow in our relationship with Him. Because if we want to study God's movement of timing, then we have to spend time with God. And, and how can we spend time with God? Well, let's break down devotions, okay? Devotions, D, daily time for God. Listen, you have to spend time with God, plain and simple. If you want to get to know him, if you want him to reveal his timing to you, if you want to have a successful life in your relationship and devotions with God, then you have to be very intentional about spending time with him. This can't be casual. This can't be just something, I'll get around to it. Because listen, as we talked about, there may be no getting around to it tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. So we have to daily take time for God. And it starts today. Daily take time for him. E, expect to experience him. Don't just go through the motions, ladies and gentlemen. When you are spending time with God, expect to experience him. Don't just go in, read my Bible, check it off a list, go about my business. When you read your Bible, when you pray, when you take those meditation moments, when you truly seek him, expect to experience him. Because that is where the revelations are going to come from. That's where you're going to really see God and, 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 and truly have him in your life when you are expecting to experience him. When we just go through the motions, listen, you're going to miss it. So expect to experience him. V is vary the pattern of your time with God. I think it's good to, to vary how, 
how your, your devotional periods of time with God is. Um, a, a lot of times what happens is, is we get stuck in these ruts. Uh, we just get caught going through the motions, and, and we get stuck in the patterns that it just becomes commonplace, and, and we really don't learn anything new, right? So here's what we have to do. Vary it. So if you're, a, if you're a morning person right now, you're like, I do my devotions every morning, but I'm kind of in a cold spell. I'm not really getting much out of it. Change it up. Try doing it in the evenings. Or if you're like me, you're more of, more of a night owl, and you're thinking, man, I, I read my Bible every night, but I'm not really getting much out of it. Change it to the afternoon or change it to the morning. But be careful because if you're a night owl, you go to the morning. It, that's a scary thing. So take baby steps. Go from, go from nighttime to the afternoon and maybe eventually go to the morning. Um, but just change up how you spend time with him. You know, change up your prayer times or pr- change up the length of your prayers or just really just find different ways. Because when we do that, what we do, we are opening doors for allow God to come in in different avenues. So vary your time with him. Don't just do the same old thing over and over. I do believe in repetition. Right, I do believe in, in a, you know, practice makes perfect. Repetition is important, but maybe if you're stuck in that rut, try something new. Give it a try. Try change your time, change your pattern, do something different, but spend time with God in a new and exciting way. O is this: open your heart to God's teaching. Listen, if you want to understand God's timing, we have to be open to Him. We got to allow him to come in, sweep through our hearts. We cannot shut the doors. We can't shut the windows and completely blot him out and go through the motions and expect him to do anything. If we want him to see, to reveal to us his timing, or if we want to see God's time, if we want to just experience God, listen, we have to open our hearts to him. You have to be open-hearted. You have to allow God to come in. T is this, test all feelings with God's word. Look, check this out. I I think feelings are important, but every time I have a feeling, it may not necessarily come from God. Oh, if you, if you say, well, I, I feel that God wants me, try this. Test it to God's word. If God's word says that's wrong, listen to me, your feeling's wrong. I hate to be the one to tell you that. If you have a feeling, test it to God's word. Make sure that God is actually saying it. You're, some people might say, well, pastor, I don't ever hear God speak. Listen, read his word. That's God's word to you. That is God talking to you. So if you have these feelings, I feel that God wants me, check it out. Test it to God's word. Confirm that that's what God's word actually says, okay? I is this. Improve your study by taking notes. This will help you in the long run. Especially when you're, when you're I don't understand God's timing or I don't see God's timing. What will happen is you'll begin taking notes. You'll do it for a year, two years, five years, ten years, however many years you want to do it. And then what will happen is you may not actually be seeing the change in yourself. Other people will, but you may not actually be seeing it. But what this will help you do as you're taking notes is you can go back and review them and say, man, I saw God did answer that prayer. Oh man, look where I was. Now look where I am. It'll give you some reference points that you can say, I prayed for this. I didn't recognize at the moment that God answered that prayer, but he really did. And so by taking notes, this will give us references that we can go back to in our lives, different periods. I was struggling here, but now God's helping me overcome that temptation that I was struggling with five, six, ten months ago. All right? So improve your study time by taking notes. O is this. Obey God's word at all times. Mm. Now, as I go back to Ecclesiastes, please, please review it with me. Nowhere in there does it say, a time to be saved and follow God and a time to sin. It does not say that in there. Nowhere in there does it say a time to sin. Look, there's a time for everything, but there's never a time to disobey God's word, period. 
We have to obey God's word at all times. If we want to see God's time, if we want to be able to experience God in our lives, you have to obey his word at all times. You cannot casually on Sunday, I'm a Christian, then Monday go live a totally different life. It doesn't work that way. You have to obey God's word at all times. N is notice opportunities to apply what you're learning. This stuff isn't just stuff to know, it's stuff to live by. So what we have to do is we have to be able to apply it to our lives. And how do we do that? Find ways to apply it. How are you going to apply what you're learning today? How are you going to apply for the study that you learned yesterday? What are we doing to really make it a difference in our lives? It's just words unless we allow it to apply to our lives, okay? If we want God's God's word to make a difference, and we actually have to apply it, we have to live it, we have to allow God, we have to be open, remember, open your hearts, we have to be open to God to come in and change our behavior and allow him to apply it in our lives. S is this, this is the last one. Share what you're learning with other people. There it is. The preacher said it. Go out and testify, ladies and gentlemen. Be the witnesses that God's called you to be. We're not called just to sit together and, and, and go through the motions. We are called to be the light and salt in the communities. We come together, we study together, we learn, but then we're supposed to go out. He says to go and make disciples of all nations. We have to share what we're learning with other people. What did you study today? What did you study yesterday? What are you going to be studying tomorrow? Share it with a family member. Share it with your spouse. Share it with your children. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a friend. What are you learning? What is God doing in your life? Share it with people. Okay? Be willing to witness. Don't hide it. And so there you are. Study the movement of God's uh, time by spending time with God. How do we spend time with Him? Devotions. And if you want to know what devotions are all about, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. So the first thing is we must study the movement of God's timing. And the last thing is this. Seize the moment of God's timing. Don't only study the movement of God's timing, but seize the moment. When God moves and gives you an opportunity, take it. Do not delay. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of the unknown. When God is giving you an opportunity, seize the moment when he offers it. Understand, it comes in, and for a period of time in you, in your life, there is a segment of tide, a tide coming in. But listen to me, it may go out. So seize the blessing. Seize that moment where God is working in your life. Do not lose it. Because as soon as that opportunity is there, if you say, you know what, I'll get around to it, and you leave, when you come back, that opportunity may be gone. Like I said, it's like a tide. It's going to come in, and it may be gone. It may be there for an extended period of time, but how long are we going to wait around? Listen, seize the moment. Seize the moment that God is giving you. Church, listen. Take the best of the time that God has given you. When we wake up in the morning, every single day, we have 24 hours. We have 86,400 seconds that God has given us. We cannot miss the opportunity that God is giving us. Trust in his timing and understand this. Listen to what what the writer said. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, seize the moment that God is giving you. Let's not waste any more time. Let's take the time that God is giving us and use it to glorify him. Amen? All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, it is cold. It is icing out. It's snowing out. Please be safe if you do have to travel. If you don't have to travel, please stay home. Enjoy the time where you get to just be with your family. Let me close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed. 
Again, we said it earlier, but Lord, we are so blessed to be able to have the technology that you have given us to where we can worship together, we can study together, even though we are not physically together. And Lord, I pray right now that you help each of us to be able to see your timing in our lives. And Lord, if we can't understand it, I pray that you give us a heart just to trust in you. Lord, because as you said, there's a time for everything. And so if there is someone going through a hard time right now, Lord, I pray that you give them the ability just to hold on to you and to glorify you through it. But if someone's going through a good time, Lord, help us to celebrate. Help us to celebrate with them. Give them the, the joy and all the happiness that they deserve. And Lord, help us not to waste the gift that you've given us. Help us not to waste this time. Help us, Lord, to glorify you and to be your people in this life. Help us to use our time wisely. And it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Enjoy the snow. And I hope you have a blessed week.